0: The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. And on August 21st, you can join other conservationists all over the world in supporting Community Conservation Day. It's a day for anyone to give their time and or dollars back to their local ecosystems and favorite conservation causes. For more information on how you can participate, visit fishandwildlife.org
2: hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman podcast and today we're talking about patterning your shotgun or more specifically I guess patterning your turkey shotgun we basically take you through the steps that we use uh, some of the information that we were able to find on online on on what is considered an effective pattern how many pellets you need how much energy you need in those pellets when they reach the target that sort of thing we figured it would be a good time to talk about this stuff since uh, turkey season season is opening up here throughout the state, and so yeah, that's what we get into today. Before we talk about that though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So Monster Whitetail Grub is an Ohio deer feed company. Their their slogan is Deer Feed the Ohio Way, and they make a great product. We've had a lot of really good success with their product. They've got their their signature monster white tail grub feed which has mineral mixed in which keeps the deer and other critters interested even after the visible feed is gone that that mineral has worked down into the soil there and so you can you can really set up um like long standing feeding locations with this stuff so if that's something you want to try go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors you can find their information there how to get in touch with them, how to order their stuff. And if you don't want the feed, they also just have straight mineral, which I know a lot of people like to run mineral in the springtime, so they've got you covered there as well. So with that, let's get into our conversation on patterning turkey shotguns. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman podcast.
1: Are you listening? All
2: right, so with turkeys on the brain, we yeah. thought main topic for today would be patterning your turkey shotgun if you're if you're fortunate enough to have ammo for your for your shotgun for turkey season or have found some whether you you know had it from last season or you know have been able to find some this season patterning your shotgun is is important so we thought we would talk about that but before we get into that I saw an email and you guys fill in here fill in the blanks where I you know miss a detail but because I'll be honest, I read the headline and didn't read the email, <laughs> but <clears throat> I saw that the, the Ohio Wild is it called the Ohio Wildlife, Wildlife Council? Is that who reviews the proposed regulation changes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I saw that they had approved the proposed regulation changes for, I guess, are those for this, that would be for this coming fall season, yeah? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we had done an episode a while back, uh, talking about, we covered those, right? I know we did the, like the waterfowl stuff, but we touched on that yeah, stuff, we, didn't we?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we may have not touched on everything, but we did high level, what you need to know, you know. Yeah. What, okay. Some of the key changes.
2: changes. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So we had talked about that in the past and, uh, told y'all that we would update you when we got more information. So we have more information. Those regulations have been approved now. Uh, Jeff, do you know, were there any changes made to to the original as things were originally proposed or were they proposed or were they approved as they were originally written? I
3: believe the only changes that were made were to the Northern zone duck hunting, uh, Dates. Um, They changed the dates a little bit um, to better coincide with uh, allowing people to hunt over the holidays. You know, Thanksgiving, um, Christmas, you know, allowed more opportunity then. Um, And it kind of it took away some of the November hunting dates, which they pushed for last year. Um, because a lot of people wanted a little bit more November hunting dates to mostly catch wood ducks. But I think a lot of hunters kind of experienced those days and decided, nah, I don't really care to hunt these days. Um, so it, it works out great for people who want to both deer hunt and duck hunt, because what it basically did was take away like, Peak rut, (laughs) you know, it's no longer waterfowl season.
2: Oh, okay.
3: So you can,
2: you know, basically
3: you're not missing out on one to do the other. You can duck hunt and then peak rut comes in and you can, you know, do your early November rut hunting. And then when you're, you know, that's tapering off, duck season opens back up. So. That's cool works out well for for me and other people like me who you know duck hunting is kind of a a secondary thing to deer hunting
2: right yeah so so yeah that's that's the update there that's all uh well and good i guess at this point the other thing i wanted to mention is i was looking have you guys heard that there's supposed to be another uh cicada hatch this this year yeah, so That's... I was looking into that a little bit, and it and it the way I'm going to tie this in it, to uh, our conversation on turkeys, it does has nothing to do with patterning a shotgun, but what you're hunting with that shotgun turkeys, um, you know, they say that turkey hunting or turkey populations tend to do well after a cicada hatch because of all the you know the abundance of, of food. And, you know, we, we live Northeast Ohio, but I was looking into like, they have these brood maps and from what I was seeing on those from the, the, uh, I looked at one, it was like the, from the U S forestry service. And then I think there was another map I found on university of Connecticut's website on cicadas. My understanding from those maps of where they're going to Take place is mostly the western half of of the state and like all of Indiana. That's where that this twenty twenty one brood is, you know, sort of located. Now, I'm by no means saying that we won't see some cicadas in our area, but the news around here, you know, you hear it on the news. Oh, the cicadas! It's it's you know it's going to be wild. Get ready. Have you guys seen that? Have you looked into that at all? I haven't yeah. looked into it. Yeah, I've looked
3: into it some, um, and I I feel like predicting cicada hatches and where they, you know, the populations are, is hard because um, they they never really seem to predict it all that well. Okay. You know, I I feel like in my entire life I've only ever seen one good cicada brewed you
2: know when that was that oh like 2016 time frame
3: sure I was going to say 14 so yeah probably 16 is probably it if you had looked at hatches um, but yeah I, I mean that that one was bad in, in some places the cicadas were deafening
2: so that's what I was going to say I, I wasn't sure when it was either, but I, I was thinking around that 14 to 16, because I was working in Bedford Heights at the time, and I was driving down the highway, you know, 70 miles an hour through, you know, you drive through the like parts of the Cuyahoga Valley National Park there, and I remember driving down the high, and I'm, I'm sure I had the radio on, and sitting there, and I'm driving, thinking, what is that noise? and then I cracked my window and sure enough, the cicadas were so loud. I could hear them inside my car driving down the highway at 70 miles an hour with the radio on in, you know, in that stretch of forest there. Now I don't remember seeing any, you know, I, it wasn't like, you know, I was driving through swarms of them or finding them, you know, all over my yard or whatever, you know, I, I was driving almost an hour back, you know, one way to work at that time. So where I worked and where I lived were, you know, very different areas. But
0: yeah, I remember
2: hearing them.
3: I remember right around the same area. Like, uh, I think I was in. I don't know, the Richfield. uh, Trying to think of what that other. What's that town that's known for their buzzards? Hinkley? Hinkley, yeah. Like the Richfield-Hinkley area. I was there. And I was in like a little community park. And I remember walking across it. And it was just crunchy from their exoskeletons. Oh, really? Yeah. that's And I mean, it was deafening loud. I mean, they were loud, loud.
2: Yeah, so if you live in the western part of the state you might get ready for (laughs) cicadas but on the plus side it should mean it should make for uh good turkey hunting in the in the years to follow so now patterning a shotgun this is seems like something that you know is pretty straightforward but man if you start uh searching the internet for this you find lots of not only different information, but like conflicting information, which is, you know, always confusing mm-hmm, Right. As, as far as like when you're, I guess what, I, what I'm saying is when you're looking for what, what do you consider effective? You know, when you're looking at a pattern, what is a good pattern? How many pellets in how much space? at what yardage, there's a lot of difference. So I don't know that there's, I guess I'm going to preface this conversation or at least my part of this conversation with, I don't know that there's one right answer to this. It seems like there's lots of different ways, lots of different opinions. (laughs) Choose the one that that makes the most sense or seems to be most effective for you. (laughs) So with that, how do Jeff or or Jake, either one of you, how do you guys start when it comes to patterning a shotgun? Let's start with with shot size, I guess, cuz there's there's a ton you can talk about in all of this because lead is different than tungsten is different than you know steel is uh, so there's lots of different ways to go with this conversation, but what what do you guys like or what do you, maybe just what do you use when it comes to shot size for turkeys?
3: I like to stick around, uh, five to four shot. Um, you know, any smaller is, you know, doesn't seem to carry the energy as much.
2: Now that's lead.
3: Yes. Lead. Okay. Um, uh, Usually plated, either nickel or copper Plated lead, but yeah, okay. lead Um, yeah, I, I Use lead Um, and yeah, I try to To stay around five Or four shot, you know Six shot Tends to be a little too small Doesn't carry the weight as much Doesn't make as big of You know, big of holes Um, three shot You know, doesn't Seem to pattern as well out of the guns I have and doesn't, you know, it's starting to get into few, a
2: lot less pellets, yeah,
3: right? It's too few pellets. Um, so that's with sot shot, sot shot, shot size, that's kind of <laughs> where I like to, to hang out.
2: So, interestingly enough, I was on uh Chuck Hawk's website which if I I guess Jake, Jeff, I think you guys are both familiar with that site, but for listeners, if, if you're not, if you haven't been on Chuck Hawk's site, I, you know, as far as like ballistics and, you know, like, um, bullet effectiveness and things to think about, like there's a lot of good information on that site. So they were saying, um, It's generally accepted that it requires two and a half foot pounds of energy to penetrate a turkey's head and neck with a pellet reliably. And so to your point, Jeff, number six at this, you know, they just, I think pulled an average like 1,315 feet per second. So if you're shooting number six, lead muzzle velocity at 1315, it has, it carries two and a half foot pounds of energy out to 40 yards past that you, you start to drop below that two and a half foot pounds of energy. So numbers, you know, they're saying number six, you know, they wouldn't recommend using number six past 40 yards. Now I'm sure, you know, we'll hear somebody that's kill a Turkey stone dead with number six past 40 yards certainly happens. But when you get into like reliably doing it, Time and time again, 40, you know, they're saying past 40 yards and obviously different loads do different things, right? If you have a higher muzzle velocity, you could kind of stretch that 40 a little bit. But as in comparison, they also talk about number five at the same 1,315 feet per second has three and a half foot pounds at 40 yards and retains two and a half foot pounds all the way out to 60 yards. So you know, that larger shot size carries more energy farther down range. That's not talking, that's that's exclusively talking projectile energy, you know, stopping power to penetrate a turkey's skull, basically. That has nothing to do with how it patterns. So, because there's a, right, there's, there's that element, shot size and like the ability to penetrate. And then you get into the other part of it on patterning and how well does it pattern and group and how many pellets does it put on target so jeff you were saying four or five i think i i think i've got fives in my ammo safe
1: yeah i'm pretty sure i use fives
2: okay pretty and sure mine are me. i've got the Remington stuff I have, I don't know if it's plated. It might not be. It's like that buffered. It's got that polymer buffer, but I think it's just plain lead. And then I've got some Federal stuff that's copper-plated lead. That I'm gonna. I got to see how much I have, but I'm I'm hoping to play around with that with different chokes. I've just always shot it out of my my turkey choke. But I think Jeff, you had said that. Uh, that that federal flight control wad w- your experience doesn't seem to perform as well out of a ported choke and my Turkey choke is a ported choke. So I was thinking about right. seeing how that stuff does. If I can tighten that pattern up, it would be a, a choke with a, a less restrictive choke, but it wouldn't be a ported choke. So I was going to see, you know, I don't have like a full, full choke, just you know, standard full choke. I don't think it, you know it's probably going to be a mm, maybe improved cylinder or something. Mo- modified? I don't know. I'll have to look. But
3: mm-hmm. I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I would assume it's probably a modified or an improved modified.
2: Okay. Yeah. I mean, so
3: almost everyone. I mean, if you if just the standard chokes, it comes with you know usually it has a modified or an improved modified
2: yeah so i was going to try and shoot at least one of them through that choke and see how it does if it you know with not having that ported choke if it does better even though the restriction is less or if it you know seems to perform better out of the still performs better out of the ported choke because i i was thinking i didn't it didn't group as well as the Remington nitro magnum, I think is what it is with the, that polymer buffer, but maybe it's because I'm shooting it out of a port choke. So, so I guess that, uh, leads us into the patterning process, which will lead us into some discussion on how many pellets you're looking for in, in what area and that sort of thing. So, Uh, for me, I, I haven't just because, uh, shooting Turkey loads is, is very much not fun. I haven't been real scientific with, uh, you know, shoot my Turkey loads. I, you know, I, I typically will either draw a, you know, put a, put a mark in the center of a, of a page and, see how well it groups near that mark or print out, you know, there's lots of places where you can find free Turkey head silhouette targets online to download and print. And so I've, I've been using those, I think the past couple of years, just to see how many are going in the the brain pan and, and next stem. you know? Uh, so that's kind of been the extent of my, and then, you know, I'll go, 10, 20, I don't, I don't even know if I bother at 10, but you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 yards and, and see how the pattern changes. But, uh, what do you guys get into when it comes to patterning, patterning your turkey shotguns?
1: My process is very similar to yours, Jason. (laughs) Very non-scientific. Um, I basically have always kind of done the same thing you do where it's, I just draw something. I'm by no means an artist, but I draw a little shape of what maybe a turkey head would sort of look like, size-wise. Um, Trace and your
2: fist on, on in your forearm, kinda,
1: or... <laughs> yeah, and kind of just blast away at it. Not real scientific. I probably err much more on the side of caution in terms of how many BBs are in the head-neck region. I yeah. make sure there's plenty. I don't, you know, I don't stretch it out, which, but I've also never killed a turkey if anyone listens, knows that. So, um, <laughs> who knows if what I'm doing is where I've never even shot at a turkey, never had one close enough to shoot at. So, uh, but that's kind of been what I've done is it's been very, so I can't say like, Oh, I've shot at a turkey at 60 yards and dusted it and it got up and flew away. You know, I've never right, yeah. had that experience <laughs> never happened. So I can't say, but I do err on the side of caution. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, four BBs, that'll kill a turkey. right, okay. You know, I'm much more like I want to be able to see a definite center of the pattern still. And if I lose that, like this is where it's bulk of it's hitting, that's kind of past where I'm comfortable shooting because I don't have to get away basically.
2: So, (laughs) Yeah. So Jeff, yeah. what do you what have you gotten into as far as patterning?
3: I mean, I use the you know computer printout targets most of the time, which usually are slightly small.
2: You yeah, know, like I, I've noticed that, yeah.
3: But yeah, I I am definitely a uh, proponent for um, a lot of BBs hitting the target. You know, I, I have watched a lot of other people, you know, pattern a shotgun, you know, on YouTube or TV or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, that'll you know, that'll do it. <clears throat> and it's like, no, no, it won't. Like, you know, I'm you know, they're they're talking 10, 10 BBs or whatever, 10 pellets. Yeah. You know, where one hits the head and, you know, like one hits the beak and it's like. No, like, cause I, I have, I have rolled a lot of turkeys and they, you know, they roll, they flop, they stand up, they throw their wings out and they glide off, you know, across the hollow and on. that, that, yeah, that Turkey is impossible to find, you know, you can't follow a blood trail. You right. can, you can walk over there and look and, but. I mean it's it's gone when when you're walking through the woods looking for a turkey you know they they blend in pretty well
2: yeah so you guys don't necessarily have a specific number you're looking for but just more than a handful
3: yeah yeah i mean i it's kind of hard to describe but yeah no i don't have a number but i I look for enough that it's like, yeah, that Turkey was shot, you know, like yeah. that, that it's not, oh, here's a couple of pellets. It's, it's probably somewhere in the range of 20 to 30 pellets. Okay. You know, in the head and neck region.
2: So, um, so I, again, from, 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 Chuck Hawks, they they were recommending, uh, twenty pellets in a turkey target to be effective at that range. So you know, if you're shooting at forty yards, if you've got at least twenty pellets in in the head and neck, then you're good. You know, if you're shooting at fifty, you're good. If you get out to sixty, and you know, you're getting down into the eight ten range, no bueno. But where where you get into the the contradicting information that I was talking about to start. I don't know why I said information like that, but, (laughs) um, uh, Turkey and Turkey hunting website, Turkey and and Turkey hunting.com. They had a, an article that I found on there with a rule of thumb, like minimum four pellets that retain four foot pounds of energy for a clean kill. Whereas Chuck Hawks was saying you need two and a half foot pounds of energy 20 pellets, but then that same turkey and turkey hunting article goes on to talk about patterning a shotgun. They're looking for 100 pellets in a 10-inch circle to be effective. Their reasoning for that is, you know, turkey silhouette, you know, head and neck is good and all, but you've got you know, what if the turkey moves a little bit, there's wind drift there, you know, if you don't make a perfect shot, you know, they're, so they're looking for that cluster of pellets in a 10 inch circle. If you've got hundred pellets in a 10 inch circle, that, that load at that range has enough pattern density to guarantee enough pellets go into the head and neck area for an effective kill both sound plausible. You know, I mean the, the Chuck Hawks thing seems to 20 pellets in a Turkey target seems to kind of line up with, you know, what we all do, what, you know, but looking at it sort of saying, yeah, that looks like enough pellets in there to, uh, you know, knock a Turkey down. But, uh, Turkey and Turkey has different, different information.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I, For me, I I guess I would say I kind of err on the side of overkill, if you will, because I've I've had so many birds get away. So I look to completely, you know, like. Basically, knock that bird stone cold dead, because if it has any wits about it, you know, it it can get away from me in the right. terrain that I typically hunt. You know, it it needs to basically. I mean, because you can take a turkey's head clean off and it'll run around. You know, like just like a chicken with its head cut off. You know, <laughs> right. But it yep. can't have any wits about it. You know, it can't have any logical. You know, I am going to fly away because I'm scared or right you know
2: yeah so, those are just sort of involuntary movements you know right. just body spasms if you will
3: right you know because i've because that's the other thing is basically now it's an all-out sprint you know i've a few years back i kind of screwed us up with it was my first tom i think first time i had ever killed dad was calling and i blast one and i immediately get up and sprint for it well had i blasted that one and then basically just sat there dad probably could have shot another one because it was two or three toms coming in together oh okay but i kind of screwed i mean i as soon as I pulled the trigger, I was sprinting as yeah. fast as I could to get my hands on it. You know, yeah. and that bird, it was stone cold dead. But man, did it beat me up. <laughs> you know, because I shot it and within seconds. Basically, I was there holding it down. And it it was it was beating me up.
2: It's a wild ride. Yeah. I want to take a quick break here and talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Scents. So Mastin's Deer Scents is a deer scent company that has a lot of interesting products. They've got, of course, your straight liquid scent, but they've also got scented gel crystals. They've got scented candles, like deer scented candles that you can use in either by themselves or in their double scent stacker, which allows you to layer scents and it heats the scent. So you can use liquid scent with one of these scented candles. Works really well. And they're also expanding into predator scents. So lots of different options there. Not only deer scents. So check them out. Go to MastensDeerSense.com. Browse around their site. See what they have to offer. I'm sure they have something there that uh, can help you out in the woods. Whatever it is you're you're looking to do. So again, MastensDeerSense.com. So uh, what are you guys using for sights on your turkey guns? Are you just using the, the bead on the on the ventilated rib or do you have something else going on?
1: I use a red dot. okay. That I have so that gives you to my shotgun. So I can move my pattern sort of I'm not stuck. you know what I mean if I have yeah. a load that for whatever reason throws its pattern, four inches low into the right, I can adjust that.
2: Yeah. Jeff, what do you use?
3: Yeah. I use, uh, the gun I use is a Mossberg 500 Ultimag. Um, so it has, uh, the two bead sight. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's got a, a mid bead, I think is what they, what most people call it. Um, so it just kind of allows you a little bit better, you know, Uh, control potentially to kind of make sure that you're holding it the right way. And it kind of gives you some adjustment, you know, where you can, you know, do I stack the beads? Do I line them up? You know, it gives you a little bit of fluctuation to kind of pick what, how you want to shoot. Right. Okay. You know, and I tend to line them up and it's still, I still patterns high, So. I line them up and shoot low, you know?
2: Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that's what I was going to ask with those. Do you know with the double bead setup is the, in, is the intention and maybe, maybe this is more of a wing shooting question, but like is the intent to stack the beads or is it to line the beads up or is it, the way you use it just give you you know like this ammo groups better if I stack the beads
3: I I believe the intent is to give you a little bit more fluctuate you know like I you know you can stack it or line them up or half you know like do like a half stack and it just gives you a little bit more control over you know adjustment it gives you adjustment okay um i i that's at least how i've always been taught is you know kind of shoot it like this see where your pattern goes shoot it like that you know and it gives you more fine adjustment to where you're
2: shooting yeah because i was at a uh like a and i always Get them trap skeet. I don't know. I always get them mixed up. But I was at a club one time, and we weren't. You know, they, this was a a work event, and so they provided all the the shotguns. And the guy, like the instructor there, that was helping my group of people, the shotgun I was using. He said to stack the beads. But to your point, Jeff, maybe that was he knew that you know that was his gun or whatever. He knew that that's the way this gun shoots best groups, best, whatever puts the most pellets on target when you're, you know, when you're shooting in this type of environment, I don't know, but I was, cause I was always under the impression that they were both there to line them up. But that, that was just, I don't think everybody, anybody ever told me that I just, I saw a shotgun with two beads on it and I said, Oh, you know, look at that. They, you know, you can line those two up and get you know a little bit more accurate uh you know alignment but that's why I asked
3: yeah see and when I first shot a gun like that I think it was this Mossberg 500 of dad's um he told me to stack them and I stacked them and shot way high and he's like well don't stack them then <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and that's how I've always shot a double-beaded gun now, basically, is,
2: okay.
3: you know, I line them up. Cause, and potentially, I I don't necessarily line them straight up. I, I stack a little bit, you know, because typically that mid-bead kind of has a pedestal and then a yeah. tiny little bead on top of it.
2: Yeah.
3: I line that tiny little bead up with the front sight.
2: Okay,
3: you know, not the whole pedestal and the bead, you know.
2: Yeah, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I think I'm using. Well, I know I'm using open sights that clamp onto the vent rib, and you know, for the same reason as the. Uh, I mean, it's not nearly as easy as you know, clicks on a on a red dot, but. It gives me some adjustability to move that that uh, point of impact, yeah. you know, if I if so, I need depending on the ammo,
3: like rifle sights. Yeah. Okay. Okay, because I yeah, it, okay, I get what you're saying.
2: Yeah. 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 So the because they're they're uh, uh, I'm trying to think if the back sight is fiber. Op- I know the front one is fiber optic. I'm trying to remember now doesn't matter, I guess, but fiber optic clamp on rifle sights that clamp onto the vent rib on the shotgun. So, but yeah, that's, uh, so we talked about shot size, I guess to, to kind of circle back and put a bow on that as far as effective range on your, your, your shot, There's lots of online calculators for, you know, if if your ammunition doesn't give you uh, energy values, there's lots of online calculators. I haven't played with them, but I'm assuming you would want to. You're not looking at the shot total weight when you're putting in like your your projectile weight in those calculators, unless I mean, unless you have a, a shotgun specific one, but I would I'm. Thinking you would want the individual pellet weight. Although, I guess it would just be pellet weight and muzzle velocity. You could then determine energy. Yeah. So that's probably what you want to do. Play around with it, though. And search the internet. Use the Chuck Hawks value of two and a half foot pounds of energy. Uh, if you want more buffer, go with the four pounds but four foot pounds from Turkey and Turkey hunting or (laughs) find your own article and, uh, see what, you know, what foot pounds of energy they recommend to be, you know, for an effective kill. And that will give you your, your max range from a energy standpoint. And then you need to be looking at how does your pattern look at that range? uh because if you're not getting enough if you don't have a tight enough pattern to where you're you're carrying enough pellets to that range then you've got to you know you've got to shorten that max distance that you would shoot at a turkey up to something where you're getting enough pellets on target so say your ammo energy wise carries enough ammo out to 50 yards but at 50 yards you're only getting eight pellets uh, might be, you know, you might want to look at a different choke or a different ammo or or something. Unfortunately, I, you know, I can't like I like I preface the conversation with I can't give you a you need this many pellets with this much energy, you know, because I don't know. And the internet has lots of different uh, <laughs> conflicting or competing data points so right and
3: I mean it really depends on where those pellets hit too I mean because probably one pellet to the brain you know is probably enough to kill that bird yeah now are you going to kill it stone cold dead probably not but you know if it if you're hunting flat ground and all it can do is fly and run away a little bit you know that might be a recoverable bird
2: yeah And I think that Chuck Hawks article mentioned that, like it only really takes one pellet, but you know, you need to have some, some buffer, some margin for error. So more pellets, more energy is always good. The other thing I'll mention about patterning your gun is knowing what it does at close range, you know, shooting it at like 10 yards because Especially when you get into these specialized turkey loads with with specialized wads that are keeping everything tight, and then you get into a turkey choke that holds everything tight. I mean, you're at ten yards. I mean, you could be talking a, maybe a baseball size pattern at ten yards. What do you would you guys say? Maybe baseball size at ten yards?
3: Yeah, probably baseball. Yeah, that's.
2: And so, uh, you know, it seems like ten yards. How could I miss? But if you're a little bit off, you know, you uh, you get into these tight choke, tight wad, tight, 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 and those close shots can be a little bit trick. So knowing knowing what it di- does and how big your pattern is and where your aim point needs to be is important for close, just like it is for for long distance
3: yeah i missed the turkey a few years back at 10 20 yards and i mean it was i i i didn't know what happened I, it was in a group of jakes and uh you know i shot and saw them all run away and i got up and looked for my bird because i thought oh i you know i dropped it yeah you know and i couldn't I was sitting behind a log so like it was just their basically like their heads and a little bit of their chest you know and I let them get so close because I wasn't positive they were bearded you know okay so I let them all get so close because I wasn't positive and uh I pulled the trigger and thought okay that one I shot at is dead and you know, the other rest ran away, and I got up to look, and it's like there's no bird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no bird, no no blood, like one yeah. feather. And yeah, I just flat out missed.
2: Yeah. You know what? I was just thinking, sitting here thinking, would be cool for patterning a a turkey shotgun because you know we talked about how it's not a super enjoyable experience. If you could line up a bunch of targets at, like, 10-yard intervals and get them, you know, lined up right behind each other somehow, which would be hard because, you know, the ground is always kind of rolling or going downhill, going uphill, whatever. It would have to be perfectly in line with your, like, the line of your barrel. But you could take one shot, and you would have to have target like target holders that held the paper on the sides and just punch through like five sheets all at once at 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 and see how your, your pattern changes. You know, I wouldn't think a piece of sheet of paper, a single sheet of paper by itself would be enough to, to really impact your, your, uh, like the flight path of the pellets. So maybe you, <laughs> if you want to conserve ammo and you don't want to take the beating of the of the turkey loads, maybe that's you could look into <laughs> trying to rig something up like that.
3: Yeah, trial and error, yeah.
2: But uh, anything else we should touch on, on on patterning a turkey shotgun before we switch it off? Any other um, tips you guys have?
3: Well, tighter doesn't always mean better. You know, a tighter hey, man, choke speaker, doesn't always. So. Well, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> a tighter choke doesn't always mean that it, you're going to get more pellets downrange in a tighter pattern. You know, there's uh, some some guns, some ammo. You know, prefer a little less tight of a choke.
2: Oh, I see what you're saying. Just because the the choke you're buying is a is a tighter constriction,
3: right. Yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the tighter the choke doesn't always mean the tighter the pattern. Okay. Sometimes, you know, chokes and ammo just don't agree.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm wondering because I, uh, I'll be honest, I wasn't super impressed with the with that federal stuff. But I thought, well, you know, a lot of people have a lot of good luck with it, and I like the copper plated. Versus just the straight lead. So I think I used it last year. But I was like, I don't... It doesn't seem to group as well. But that's what I'm hoping is maybe the case. If I can get away... Maybe it's that ported choke. Or maybe it just doesn't like that... That I don't even know what choke I have. But, uh, you know... Maybe a different choke will make that ammo perform better.
3: Yeah, because... I. The ammo you use, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked that it performs for you, basically, you know, because I've never had any luck with it, you know, and basically the only thing I use it for is hunting squirrels that are in the tippy tops of trees and shooting groundhogs. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I bought a lot of it before I realized Hey, this this just isn't right, you know. Yeah. You know, 25 yards, 30 yards, you know, is I should be able to pattern further than that.
2: Yeah. Do you guys pattern your guns every year or do you once you know once you've got a shotgun dialed with the ammo, you're good to go from year to year?
3: I mean, I usually end up buying a new box of something to try every year to see if, you know, see if it's going to be any better. Yeah. Um, But the past couple of years, nothing I've bought has been better than what I have. So I'm probably going to stop wasting my money, especially (laughs) because you can't find ammo this year. Yeah. You know, when people are looking, buying guns for self-defense, a turkey load's a pretty darn good self-defense load, so they'll
1: snatch that up real quick.
2: Yeah. What about you, Jake?
1: Uh, I always used to, well, depends. going back a few years, I used the same shotgun for deer hunting and turkey hunting. So I had to adjust it based on season. I had a red dot sight. Well, I have. Had a red dot sight on it, um, but at that time I was shooting sabbat, Sabo, however you pronounce it, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, for deer hunting, and then obviously turkey loads for turkey, and they did not shoot the same. Obviously, I had to adjust the red dot, oh, right, so I'd have okay. to adjust it up and down, back and forth, depending on if it was deer season or turkey season. Uh, but then that red dot actually a couple years ago it took a crap on me um got water in it moisture and anyone who's ever used a red dot if it gets moisture in it especially during turkey season when it's that wet cold warming up you know time of year it just fogs the whole thing up you can't see anything yeah so last year i used one of dad's shotguns actually he had a Cause I never got around to getting a new red dot. So until it was basically too close to season. So dad let me borrow one of his shotguns. I think it was an, I don't know. I didn't shoot a bird with it. So I really don't, I think it was an over under 20 gauge. Maybe. I don't even know, but I used that last year. Never pulled the trigger other than making sure dad had it sighted in. And then now this year I'm going back to my, shotgun with a red dot. Um but now that I have a different I use a 4570 for deer hunting primarily. So I'm hoping once I get it dialed in this year, I won't have to do much other than just confirm zero and be good with it. So yeah,
2: yeah that's the same with me. I well not swapping back and forth. I swapped barrel because I have a I use the same shotgun for deer and turkey, but I swapped the rifled barrel for the field barrel with my turkey choke in it, and I you know shouldn't be any different, but I always like to pull the trigger once or twice to make sure that things are looking good, so but like I said, this yeah. year I, I, if I have enough of that ammo cause because of the current state of ammo I, I want to kind of play around with chokes a little bit and see how it does, so we shall see but if you guys don't have anything else, I don't have anything else. That's probably a good spot to uh, switch it off. So hopefully this was helpful for somebody. Get you thinking about, you know, turkeys, this, you know, turkey hunting, turkey patterning, and what to be looking for when uh, you're sitting out there looking at a piece of paper with a bunch of holes in it. So with that, we'll uh, sign off and thanks everybody for listening. All right, that's going to be it for this week. So hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Hopefully there was something in there that, that was helpful or you know maybe something you, you didn't already know or, or hadn't thought about. If there was something in there, maybe think about sending it to one of your buddies, sharing the, the information with uh, your other hunting buddies. And hopefully you've already had time to get out in the turkey woods or you've got plans to do so here in... Uh, near future and let us know how that goes hopefully your turkey season goes well and uh, send us those photos we love we love seeing that stuff and uh, sort of sharing in the celebration of a successful harvest so let us know we're Ohio huntsman on Facebook Ohio huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram you can email us directly at huntsman at gmail.com lots of ways to get in touch with us so Hit us up and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.